Welcome to Six Degrees of Roger Nielsen, featuring Vinnie Maltz and presented by Bloodline Hockey. Each episode, we'll dive into discovering meaningful stories and connections that have helped hockey coaches and players shape their professional philosophies and personal character through the art of sport. Our show is designed to honor one of the greatest pioneers of coaching innovation and connection, Coach Roger Nielsen. Hey guys, as most of our listeners are already aware, the Roger Nielsen's Coaching Clinic was officially canceled this past year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So we adapted quickly and created the Roger Nielsen's Coaches Connection. Uh, it's a private Facebook community designed to continue to provide our coaches out there a place to connect, learn, and inspire each other during this very challenging time for people across the globe. If you'd like to join us in our private group, just search Roger Nielsen's Coaches Connection on Facebook and simply ask to join the group. We've had some incredible presentations and guest speakers that we know any coach would not want to miss out on. We'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Bloodline Hockey. Bloodline Hockey has been at the forefront of developing and pioneering a mental performance mindset shift for players, coaches, and parents worldwide. If you are a coach, player, or parent looking for mental performance programming specific to the hockey culture, please visit www.bloodlinehockey.com to learn more about how Bloodline Hockey can assist your mental performance needs. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 24 of Six Degrees of Roger Nielsen. I am your host, Coach Vinny Maltz, and today's a uh, special episode. I actually, uh, we cut a few episodes here for another podcast that I had co-hosted and started with uh, Coach PJ Atherton, and uh, so he works with um, you know, a lot of NHL players. He does a lot of skills work with them uh, and things of that nature, and so it was a uh, great guy, and uh, we hooked up actually during the pandemic, and we decided, hey, why don't we get together and do some episodes for this, you know, podcast that we, you know, we called, we named it Transforming Athletes Pod, and we just, uh, with the schedules and stuff like that and all the craziness, once the season started back up, we kind of put things on hold a little bit, but uh, I talked to him about, hey, how about repurposing it for our Six Degrees of Roger Nielsen fans, and he agreed to it, so here we are, and uh, for this episode, we've got the captain of the Colorado Avalanche, Gabriel Landeskog. So excited to uh, share this conversation with you guys. It was uh, it was awesome. I mean, it's uh, from a leadership standpoint, just understanding dynamics of how he grew up, uh, the stories he shares about you know coach that impacted him, you know the life that he was having at that time, and just the adjustments that he had made, um, and just talking about being you know the youngest uh, the youngest captain in the NHL when he had gotten named. I threw in a little bit of a chirp there of uh, that uh, Connor. Uh, McDavid took that over for him, so you hear that <laughs> at some point. But uh, but just an amazing, amazing individual, um, and so many great, you know, great parts to this discussion. And excited to have you guys listen in. And um, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback afterwards. But let's get started with uh, Captain of the Colorado Avalanche, Gabriel Landeskog. It's interesting, right? How the timing of this. Of yeah. I've talked to a few other players of how right now it's like, yeah, you get to right now spend that time and be like regular dad, be at home and all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Exactly. And actually get into routines like at night, you know, bath time and putting her to sleep. And then the morning, uh, Melissa, my wife, she takes a night shift and, and I take the morning shift. So, um, yes, I mean, cause during the season you go, you don't get that routine at the same, you know, same time. Oh yeah. I don't think people realize too, how crazy the season is. Like, no. You guys right. play every other night almost. Yeah. And it's with travel and practice and all that. It's crazy mm-hmm. how busy you guys are. 
It's, I mean, talk about a downshift yeah. during this time. On average, what, three, four games a week? Yeah. And half, half of them on the road. So it's like you're home for two days, three days, and then you're gone for two weeks, come home for a week, and then gone again. You know, it's, But not complaining. Yeah, no doubt. No it's doubt. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. How are you enjoying now of like having that downtime and some of that? Like what's kind of – how are you feeling – with everything right now because it's like, got to be like a mixed bag of emotion right between yeah i want to be playing but it's good to be home and so it's interesting what's the perspective on that now that you have daughter and everything yeah i mean if honestly if, if we didn't have a daughter and we didn't have this time with her i mean i i'm sure would be like you know some of our friends that don't have kids they just sit in front of netflix all day and literally don't do anything else and mm-hmm. i just that's not me like i can sit through one episode and that's it yeah. So I just constantly have to be doing things. So it's been, it's been good. It, we struggled at the start because we couldn't find, like, we felt like we were in the apocalypse and we we're like, okay, well, let's play Yahtzee. Let's play this game now. Let's play this. Let's open up a bottle of wine and then, and then another one. So it just felt like you were hunkered down and really just trying to survive. Like, and it was just like, and then eventually we got to the point where we we're just like, okay, this isn't what we want to do for, like, this could go on for months. Like, we can't be doing this. So, like, you know, started getting into routines, like setting alarms, like going to bed at night, like, you know, getting into actual routines and been finding different, different things to keep me busy. I started doing some landscaping, just looking up different DIY projects online. <laughs> Manscape. Like, yeah. This is, this is shit I'd never do before, but like now I have the time awesome. actually, because normally during the, se- like the off season, like we get, you know, six weeks and we're usually here in toronto for about a month and then go to sweden for a little bit like i'm not going to spend a week on landscaping or doing different projects (laughs) around the house i want to actually enjoy the the people that i'm there with so now i've been able to i'm like yeah i'm gonna mulch some trees i'm gonna do this you know i'm gonna do that so it's been good that's That's awesome awesome. (laughs) that's awesome how peaceful is it mulching the trees and doing some landscaping work Oh, hundred percent. You throw in some music in the in the AirPods and and just start digging, doing some edging around the trees, and and you feel like a man, kind of. I, I <laughs> carrying bags around with garbage, and yeah, it's good. It's been good. Oh, that's classic. That's classic, man. Now it's been that's interesting. Good. It's an interesting time right now. It's fascinating mm-hmm. to hear these different stories that are popping up of how athletes that are in their normal routine and how they're adapting and adjusting quickly on the fly. Right, like, because that's a big thing that we always talk about. PJ is that adaptability is just the most important skill there is, and and from a mental performance standpoint, mental health standpoint, you know, being able to right now pivot and say, all right, this is what we got going on right now. What am I doing? It's huge to hear all these different stories and how guys just like, yeah, especially the scheduling part. That was a big thing that right when it started, we were hammering away at all of our players, right from the pro guys, college, all the way down of like you need a routine as quick as possible because if you don't there's tons of players right now that just they're in the vortex they're playing video games nonstop, or like you said the mm-hmm. netflix it's crazy and like the yeah, importance of I mean, that and honestly it's you you realize how because once we started getting in this routine and actually living and not just trying to like get by mm-hmm. you know like your mindset just changes completely and like because nothing has really changed from now until from like a month ago when we were just like playing games and drinking wine and whatever, like nothing has really changed. Like we're still in the same house. Like nothing has changed other than our mindset and like 
actually doing things like picking up a book, like stimulating your brain, like going for walks. You know, I bought a road bike, so I've been road biking. And like, I don't know, like it just, because our life, I mean, if you're somewhat of a structured person and, and at least for us in the NHL, like our lives are depending on these schedules. Like we have a meeting at this time and then it's, you know, we go out for dinner at this time and then we have a flight to catch at this time. Like, and then now we don't have that for any foreseeable future. We don't know when that's going to start back up. So you need at least in your home life to be some sort of structured, in my opinion. Oh, I think it's, I think it's interesting too talking about engaging with life. Like, because you don't have that outside stimulus of a place to go, a thing to do. And now it's so dependent on you to engage with your daughter, engage with doing these different things. And like, you're not rushing around with this constant motivation and constant pressure from the outside. So you really have to engage with things that are going on. I think that's a big piece you can take back to, to performance too, of engaging with that performance on the ice and, or in whatever sport is really engaging and being present with it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think that's one of the things. Yeah, talk about that part about how, like, from you personally, right? Because this is one of the things, like, for any high-performing athlete, everybody has that thing of just, all right, I got to figure it out. Let's go, let's go, right? And like you said, during the season, it's mostly figured out for you. Like, you've got okay, here's a routine. Here's where you're going to show up. Here's what you're going to do. Practice at this time, right? Dinners at this time. Game, mm-hmm. all that stuff. It becomes really easy. Talk about how, like, what's your perspective on the things that you found over the years, you know, even from at youth, you know, when you, as you were coming up, where you evolved in that, where you took control of your own kind of destiny in some ways, right? Like, there's the side that, all right, agent, everybody kind of doing their thing and molding us as athletes and doing our thing. But talk about, like, the experiences you had where, yeah, I'm going to do this. Here's, here's what I feel is for me. And here's what I'm going to put my time into, whether it's you had to go find somebody specifically to train something. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about that part of you of where as you evolved and you picked up on those things. Of like, um, I got this. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple instances that pop up. Is that like, I mean, growing up, I just had such love for the game. And like we had such a great coach growing up. His name was Matthias Johnson. Now he's in, I believe he's a cop back in Sweden. He kind of transitioned away from, from the hockey life, but he was such a smart, he really studied the, the Soviet, the, the Soviets in the, in the eighties. And he, and he was, so we watched their video all the time mm. growing up as like 12, 13, 14 year olds. And like, yeah. and he, he just wanted us to see the, the, the beautiful part of the passing game and all that, like they're just, just how they skated and everything. And we kind of became, and yeah, we worked hard. Like he, he ran us pretty hard in practice and, and off ice workouts, but the, the love for the game. And I wanted to, and, uh, and he was one of the coaches that taught me that like the most important thing, the most important skill is what you do when no one's watching. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of took that kind of to heart and, you know, there's some guys that go, out of the way to work because they have to work, but I just loved it. So like I found I had a rank like 15 minute walking distance from my house. I walked there kind of sweet talk the the Zamboni driver, like give me a key. So I was able to actually go before school and, and and go on and, and like go into the gym and and actually skate before. 
Um, and that's something that like, I wouldn't tell anybody I did that. I, I still don't think to this day, nobody really knows that I did that because mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for like, Oh, well, this guy's works hard. Yeah. But for me, it was just like, Oh, I get, I get an extra shot at like, you know, practicing. I get to go out there and skate an hour before school. And this is like, you know, in the formative years in your teenagers, but then in your teenage years, but then I think the next part where I really took charge of it was like when I was 15, 16 years old and, and I had an opportunity to sign with a men's league team in, in Sweden. Uh, and that was super attractive and, and be one of the youngest players to ever play in the men's league in Sweden. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't into that. Like I want to develop, I want to play in the NHL. I wanted to win the Stanley cup. I wasn't going to win the Swedish elite league. So I said, well, no, I want to play in Canada. I want to play junior league in Canada. So at 16 years old, I had convinced my mom especially but also my dad to let me go and and at 16 years old like that's that's pretty early now especially having a little kid by myself to to think that in in 16 years she'd be moving out i and not only moving out but to the other side of the world so i think that that was kind of my mindset as soon as i moved over to canada i was just my mindset was just like i'm gonna figure this thing out and however i'm gonna do it i'm taking charge of it just because i'm here now and it wasn't like, well, if I if I have to go back to Sweden, I failed. But I had the mindset of if I'm going to go here, I'm not going just for hockey, but I'm going also for like I want to grow as a person. I want to mature. Like mm-hmm. I live with a bill of family, but at the same time, I have to be very independent. Like learn a new language and you know f- figure out how to be social in school where I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was so. I think that not only the hockey side of it where I had to kind of evolve and take charge of my career that way but just my life in general and it's turned me into a pretty independent guy that you know can kind of survive in any environment and any challenge i find uh and and having that in the back of my mind has really just strengthened me i think and yeah can you gabe can you elaborate a little bit this is i think this is one of the most important topics we could talk about is taking charge like that. Can you talk about how you moved through that now that you do play at such an elite level with so much input from so many directions that how you filter yeah. that and how you look at that based on like, okay, I'm this is still for me. Like ultimately your career is still for you. And, you know, some of the tough times and, and, and how you deal with that with so much outside input and pressure mm. How do you maintain that self-directed idea? I think, I mean, your self-talk is so important, right? Like we all talk mm-hmm. to ourselves all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think whether you're aware of it or not, um, so I think just I've always been, and, and ever since I really moved away at a young age, I, you know, you spend a lot of time on your own, you know, you spend a lot of time, you know, kind of contemplating your thoughts and, and, what you want to do and whatever. So I've always had a pretty good conversation with myself. And so whatever inputs kind of come in from the outside, I feel like I've gotten a pretty good sense of, okay, well take that for what it is. Uh, And then you kind of take it into yourself, you you analyze it, whatever. And then, and then you pass it whether, okay, well this bit of this information was, was useful and this, this stuff I don't really care about, you know, it just sort of your mind sort of, filters it on its own and it's interesting now that that you ask it is like like i'm pretty strong in myself i know what i believe i know what i stand for uh some people don't have that some people are kind of always searching for things um 
but I think it's something you learn over time. Like, what do I believe in? What do I, what kind of feedback am I actually looking for? Like, I know that, well, PJ, when I talk to you, I know you're going to be honest about my game. And, and even sometimes when you say things, I'm like, yeah, he's right about this, but I don't agree with him on this. You know what I mean? And that's the way life is. Like, you, you, you're not always going to agree with people, but, but if you're not susceptible to that feedback and that input, I think you're kind of cha- like shortchanging yourself a little bit too, because I've I've gained a lot of knowledge about myself from what some valuable people and people that I trust have said about me and, and my game or or whatever. So I think you have to be open to it, but sort of trust yourself. And it's something I learned over time to just kind of filter that and and uh, yeah, yeah, that's powerful. Good. Was there anything that was like um, a moment? Right, like we all know, there's the those big moments, right? They create deep memories and you score that big goal and all that stuff, right? Similarly, is there anything that you went through and experienced that where you really learned to trust yourself where it was like, here was a moment that was kind of a defining or one of, one of a few where it dawned on me of like, oh yeah, I definitely need to listen to what I think. Yeah. You ever experienced anything like that through the years? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, uh, I've gone through a few of those. Um, you know, one was, um, I, I think, I think the first part is like, I was struggling at the start of my NHL career. Kind of that's when kind of social media started happening. Like I, I, I was a single guy in the NHL. I got a Twitter account. Like I was looking to be, you know, this personality on social media. And like, I, I was just, there's a fine line there on how much to engage in my opinion as a professional athlete. And, and a lot of, some people can handle a lot. Some people can't. So when I first signed up for Twitter, I was engaging, I was, you know, racking up followers quick. And like, if you're in the social media world, that's what you care about at the start of it. Like mm-hmm. that's all you want. Right. But, mm-hmm. and I just started listening to people way too much. And it was just like, I didn't know these people. Like, yeah, I didn't know, do they have a, like have they do they have a background in hockey or don't do they just sit in a basement somewhere you know what i mean like i, I had no idea but I, start, sure. I started listening to to that way too much and i could mm. sense myself and my self-talk was just starting to doubt and like i, I was just like oh maybe yeah. he's right maybe like you know i you just get into it way too much and start analyzing what people said way too much and um it got to a point where i was just like it was information overload. I didn't want, I didn't want to read anything. I didn't want to take part of anything. I didn't want to share anything more. Uh, and that's just sort of brought me to feeling more secure in myself and feeling that like, Hey, I don't have to be this person just because this and this NHL guy is super vocal on Twitter or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be me. Um, because it started affecting myself talk so much and it started affecting uh, my, the picture that I had of myself, right. uh, because I was always a confident guy. I believed that I was a good player. You know, I believed that I had a lot to learn, but I also believed that, uh, I had sort of this, this picture of myself of who I wanted to be. And that, you know, once you start feeling that, that insecurity creeping into your mind, it, it can be pretty, you know, it can snowball pretty quickly. So, uh, I started finding a better balance with what, like we talked about earlier, PJ, your question about like what to listen to. Yeah, who to listen to? Uh, so yeah, and now it's now it's more about just kind of 
you know, sharing an insight on my life. It's not so much about engaging necessarily, you know, you pick your spots and th- yeah. things like that. So, uh, yeah, you live and learn, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's good. What, uh, Gabe, I want to go back to kind of your youth experience too. <laughs> Speaking of the youth. Oh, the yeah. So, I love it. No worries. 2.0. <laughs> the, little, the little one. Oh. Come here. Come here. SMS. I can do this. I can multitask at the same time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, so the bottle will do it. Um, so my my question is like, I think a lot of people could look at you as, oh, you know, he's everything's always gone your way. You know, you're the second overall pick in the draft. You're the Calder Trophy winner. Um, super confident guy. You really have it all together. Can you talk about something that when you were younger, can you think of a time of anything that was like a struggle and how, how you got through that or something that was super disappointing? And cause I think we can learn a ton, you know, more so from, from our failures from, from our successes. And I think if everybody just looks at you and goes, Oh, well, you know, he's just this ultra, ultra talented guy that's out of this world. It's hard to relate to that. But I, like, I know that, that, how how many struggles do happen on the along the road if you just wanted to share something like that from your youth experience uh and how you got through it and what you learned from it mm. yeah i mean i'll go right to the the pit of it uh my parents divorce i mean my yeah, parents yeah. divorce got divorced mm. when i was nine years old and that sort of you know anybody that that can relate to that and anybody that has divorced parents and and at nine years old like you're right at the start where you know what's going on. Like you yeah. understand sort mm. you know, parenthood, you understand the dynamics of a family. Like you're, you're, you understand that your parents for some reason don't love each other anymore. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. whatever. I do know so what you that. Mean. Yeah. So that, that really was a challenging time. And that's something that I'm still dealing with in terms of, uh, you know, I find that expectations like growing up and now, now I'm married and, and like now I have a family on my own, but you, you start realizing how, how formative those years were for you because you've, you know, you've seen your parents. I had to see my parents go through challenging times, both of them on their own. And you sort of ha- learn, have to, you learn how to grow up a little bit faster because of it. But you've also seen some pretty, in my opinion, some stuff that, that I don't think you should have to deal with at that age in terms of, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, bad relationships on either side or whatever. And, and kind of having to be that, uh, that pillar on both sides at like a 12 year old, a 13 year old, you know, and not, not saying that, like, not saying that it was, uh, you know, anything, illegal or abusive or whatever but i'm just saying it it it, it really changed my parents for because you can only imagine as a as a single parent the first marriage doesn't work out uh you try to sort of find some somebody and you bring them around your kids and you think they're good and you think they're good and then you know s- things start to happening mm. um and that is something that i'm still dealing with like i've i've talked to numerous people about this and and how it actually because 
growing up in your in your late teens and in your early 20s you think that oh, okay well that was my childhood you think that was it and like that that and you realize you start realizing that was not just it you know what i mean like it's something that you carry with you and you have to you have to work on because um you know it's taken me years to to sort of work on my relationship with both of my parents and, and sort of uh having to deal with that so i can understand what you said when it looks like from the outside perspective that everything is good everything is is perfect and and um you know it looks like i've always gotten bounces my way it looks like i've but you know and in, in in fairness to me i'd like to say that one in the back of my mind i've always had to to sort of keep my family's health and and their wellness sort of i've always felt a pretty big responsibility for that and uh and that's i think a pretty heavy burden to put on a teenager and a, and a young kid and and uh and my relationship with my parents has been affected because of it and, and they know it and we constantly work at it and yeah. and i think it, it was affected when when i moved away at 16 i was a little bit like oh shit well you know like you you feel bad almost that like you're leaving your parents in, in like a tough time or whatever mm-hmm. now everybody's doing great everybody's you know, remarried and, and living healthy and happy lives right now. But um, I would say that's something that's really, that really transformed my life. Obviously now for the better because I've learned to be responsible and I've learned to look out for people around me. Uh, but that was definitely something that, yeah, that formed me, I'd say. Yeah, that's really, really, really <laughs> valuable. I can, I can super relate to feeling like what I was doing was the source of stability in my family. And like mm-hmm. I was kind of the pinnacle of, you know, my achievement, all that was the source of pride and and trying to take care of my mom and and yeah. that kind of stuff. So I think that we do, I, you know, when you when you said like when you when you're in your 20s, you're like, oh, that was the past. And then, yeah. you know, just as a person who's a little bit older than you, like then you come back and you're like, oh, man, like that has informed yeah. mm-hmm. everything that I do. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I am replaying all of that. And then eventually you know, you're trying to get help from some people to figure those things out. So, uh, I really appreciate yeah. all that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no problem. I mean, it's a, listen, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think the biggest, not much to that. No, it's amazing. I, how like, um, I think what's so powerful too about it, right. Is we're all just the culmination of our experiences and what we go through. And that's what, at the end of the day, like PJ said, right. makes us stronger. I think what's interesting is you know, when you say it took me years to work on my relationship, and I think most, you know, most people probably for the most part have that thing with their parents and working on and trying to figure it out. And obviously, in the case of when there's a divorce, it's it's that much greater. Right? My wife goes through that as well. But what's interesting now, from the influential part of, you know, you go and you become, you know, one of the youngest captain um, until Connor mm-hmm. until Connor comes in and mm-hmm. takes that. Yes. <laughs> Talk yeah. about talk about that part of like you know here you are and, and it makes complete sense of when you bring up right took took years you're working on your relationship how is that affected and how now you influence others right talk about like from a leadership standpoint of how much that's grown you and evolved you into that part of things now yeah I think I I mean I think I said from from day number one uh, obviously it was very big in terms of um attention that like oh shit this kid's 19 years old and he's gonna be the captain of the nhl team so it was a lot of attention right away but i was pretty honest right off the bat that hey listen i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to be the next Joe Sackick. I'm not going to be Adam Foote. I'm not going to be, even though I look up to Nicholas Lissom and, and Matt Sundin and Daniel Alperson as Swedish captains in the NHL, I'm not going to be those guys. I'm going to be Gabe Landeskog. And that's, if I'm trying to be those guys, it's going to, you guys are going to see right through me and, and it's not going to work. So I said that right off the get go. And I think that that helped me uh, in my development. And I also was pretty open about the fact that, hey, listen, like, I'm probably not going to be the perfect captain either. I'm going to try to learn and try to be as good as I possibly can. Uh, but I'm young and, and I'm learning. And and it was, looking back at it, I've said this to a few people, that maybe it it was a little young, maybe it was a little too soon. But at the same time, it was in the direction where our organization was going and where our franchise was going. So once I started allowing myself to just sort of grow into that role, uh, and uh, and just sort of trying to trying to all, honestly, it, it started falling into place when I started sort of focusing on my game, my journey, myself, rather than like having a players only meeting and started yelling at guys. Like that wasn't going to work. So I just had to kind of take my time with it and just sort of build up my my own sort of street cred on my own before i could even like start like talking to guys about certain things so uh there were some awkward moments at the start you know we had some older players and and i you know i had some pressure from some guys where they were like well you gotta do this like you gotta do this you gotta tell this guy this you gotta do that and and i'm like like that wasn't who i was like i'm i'm not a very confrontational person and and just sort of that's just who i not who i am but I've learned to bring that out when I need to. But it's not because somebody's going to tell me to go over there and say that to this guy. That's not what I'm going to do it, you know. So, so I've learned uh, I've learned when to sort of pick my spots and when to when to do what. Um, I've also people sometimes say that you're born a captain, you're born a leader, and and it's something that you grow into. But I I disagree. I think it's something that yeah, certain qualities you are born with, but you also perfect a lot of it along the way. So I'd like to think that when I do end my career, I'm going to be a better leader than I was, you know, when I started. And I think that's sort of obvious, but some people just think you're you're born a captain and that's who you are and, and you don't work on it. But And maybe there are guys that just kind of do that. They wear the C, they wear the letter with pride and, and they go kind of, it just sort of falls natural for them. But for me, I want to work on it. I want to constantly get better and I want to learn. I'm reading and, and certain things and, and I think that's valuable information because there's a lot of good information from smart people around the world that have that have been through a lot of things that I haven't been through. And if I can learn something from it, I think it's good. So I think there's two. There's <clears throat> any like leader that's been in any significant position will say that leaders are not born. You know, if you, right. if you really listen to anybody yeah. that's been mm-hmm. in the fire, they'll say they had to learn how to be a leader and they probably weren't very good at it in the beginning. You know, right? Because a lot, I think a lot of times people that get put in in leadership positions are really talented at something. You know, you're really good at investing, or you're really good soldier, yeah. and then you get promoted in this position. You're like, well, I don't know how to lead all these other people. 
So I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind too, for yourself and for other people, even, even if looking at your coaching staff, like these guys are trying to learn how to be leaders and learn how to, how to do this stuff. Um, and giving them anyway, you said, you said one thing in there too, Gabe, that I thought was, was interesting and valuable. You talked about like when you started focusing in on your own game Uh is when you started to become a better leader, where do you find the balance? Um, and obviously I have strong opinions about this, but the balance of focusing on your individual performance versus the team. I think my personal view on it is so many times we get caught up and have been told for so long that everything is about the team that we kind of like subjugate ourselves and any focus on our performance is selfish or that guy's just trying to get points or that guy's just trying to score. And how do you think about that, your own performance as it relates to the team and how do you keep yourself uh, striving towards getting better without feeling like you're being selfish? Yeah, I mean, that's something that I... I mean, I think before before I got to the NHL, that's sort of um, my view on it as well. I played with certain guys growing up that I was just like, oh, this guy's so too selfish, he's not going anywhere. And there are those guys. Believe me, there are guys that are too selfish. But to your point, I think uh, you have to be because if you're just going to be – like. it's such a fine line. Like if you're just going to be out there trying playing for the team – you don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to do this. You, like it, you're out there and you're ultimately not doing your job. Like you get paid and you're hired because of your talent and what you do. And, and if you don't do your best to try to perfect that, then you're ultimately doing the team a disfavor. So it doesn't matter how much you actually care about the team. But so I see it as guys that sort of take help from the outside and guys that are actually studying the game to try to perfect their individual game for the betterment of the team. I think that's ultimately doing the team a favor because um, like for me, I started obviously working on my game with, with UPJ and, and, and really studying some of my habits and, and what I can improve on and, and what I need to kind of stop doing and, and certain things. Um, and I've honestly found that, that my game is, is better at times now than it, than it's ever been and 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 that's not just because i'm i've got nine years of experience but it's also because i've i've worked on my game like i think honestly if i just went through this league in these nine years of of just sort of playing just sort of playing and not studying my game and not trying to get better because i ultimately like you see things that i wouldn't see in my game like you have brought things to my game that i hadn't normally thought about i i'd normally just sort of listen to the coach and and in defense for the coach, they don't like they got 24 players to take care of. They got to focus on systems and things like that. So they're not going to have necessarily the time to break down individual game. And, and, and that's understandable. But but I think that this is making our league so much better and our sport so much better to have uh, all the, these guys being students of the game and wanting to perfect their game. So when the best of the best are doing that, it raises the the, the level of the competition is the level of of the entire league so i found that i've i've gotten um you know some substantial growth in in just working with a guy like you pj and, and seeing the things that you brought to to my attention and once you start feeling that okay well this is what he said and then once you start feeling you actually doing those things and how much that creates for yourself and how much that actually changes for the for the team like you're like it's not. I don't think guys look at me as selfish. You know, it just 
working on my game and trying to get better for the team ultimately. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. that's a long answer, long answer to short question, but no, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good answer. At the end of the day, like you can't play for any of your other teammates. You can't go out there and do that. The only, the only thing that you have impact on is your game. Yeah. Yeah. And let me add, let me add to that too quickly is that, um, is that, um, He's trying to steal the show. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Um, Crazy dudes in my living. (laughs) The thing I want to add to is like what, in my opinion, when I hear, you know, playing for the team, there are times where you do make decisions to play for the team or don't in terms of blocking a shot, in terms Mm -hmm. of, diving for a puck to get the puck out of the zone uh those are those are things for me that mean uh you know playing for the team but when you have the puck on your stick like you're as an offensive guy that's what you're playing for right like you're 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 trying to create and and that's still something i'm trying to get better at so yeah yeah that's powerful man i think um what's interesting is another like kind of like secondary to that whole concept of understanding myself, focusing in on that. I think another part, I was talking to PJ about this yesterday, of how talk about the other side of where, you know, we have a lot of younger players, right, that are highly committed and they're all in, right? And one of the things they deal Mm -hmm. with mentally a lot of times is they get into that world of, all right, if I got it, it's hockey and that's it. Hockey and that's all, right? Talk Mm -hmm. about that part of how you've evolved, where you've seen in your you know, and as the years have progressed and you just talked about reading about leadership and all that, about other passions or hobby kind of stuff, something else besides just the hockey part. Because a lot of times younger guys, and, and I remember hearing this back in the day with the old school guys, right? They talk about how, oh, once you start thinking about something else other than the game, that's it, it's over. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, like PJ, I've got strong feelings on in today's world how different it is. Yeah. Where it's just, yeah. there's too much information, there's too much to explore to yeah. just think that's all there is. So talk about your evolution of that, of how, for those players, right, that think it's like, no, no, it's just this, it's just this, and how you've kind of realized and opened up your mind with that. Oh, it's it's so much more than that. I realized that it's, you know, I've always sort of had this hunger to learn. I've always been a pretty curious guy. And I think it might stem stem in the fact that I don't have a college degree to back up, back me up. I don't have, I don't even have a high school diploma. I don't have, you know what I mean? So I have, I've always had this hunger of, I want to learn because I need to learn more to take care of myself. And I need to, I want to be sort of well-rounded when it comes to knowledge and and whatever. So I've always been a big reader. I've, I've read all kinds of books in terms of, whether it's leadership or, you know, some Malcolm Gladwell type of stuff to, to, to sort of just educate myself on the world and, and how the human brain works. Um, and, and I find that interest is what, because at the end of the day, I love hockey. It's what I do, but it's not who I am. I, I know that, you know, there's more to me than number 92 playing for the avalanche and, and uh, whether people know that or not, that's okay because at the end of the day, um, you know, I find joy in so much more. I like playing golf. I like, you know, spending time with my wife. I like, 
you know, reading, like I said, uh, I'm trying to learn how to play the piano. And I think about, you know, buying one of those to, to just sort of, I don't know, this, you know, it, it'd be a good challenge. So uh, I find that I still haven't found exactly what I want to do once my career is done. But I do think it's valuable to, to put some thought into it. Uh, I think it's because by the time you're done, um, you know, it, it can be a tough transition. So I actually had a conversation with with uh, somebody else back home in Sweden about this the other day. I think it's, um, I think you have to keep your eyes and ears open during your career to know sort of what you want to do uh, because it could be such a, like we talked about earlier, how our lives are so structured. And when you don't have that structure in your life, it can be so challenging. And for a guy like me, I need to be stimulated at all times. I can't, I can't sit around. I can't sit at home and just kind of take a year and just play golf. I don't think I'm going to find much value in that. So whether it's finding, excuse me, whether it's finding like partners that you want to work with certain companies that you feel interested in and you want to invest in, or, or you want to actually start and be somewhat of an entrepreneur and come up with an idea and, and come through with something. And, you know, those are all doors that I'm keeping open. And if I have to go through some sort of education when I'm done playing and, and take a course and, and whatever, I think that's – and look at a guy like Peter Forsberg. I don't know how much you guys have followed him after his career has been done, but he's he's got numerous different projects going on. He's got – you know, he's investing in certain uh, – his wife has a shoe company, and, and they're running that out of Switzerland, and, and he's got uh, real estate up in the north of Sweden. And these are all – still got some real estate in Denver as well. And, and, and so those are things that – I'm sure are keeping him busy and keeping that competitive spirit inside of him because, um, yeah, you're going to need something when, when the day comes in and we're done. Cause retiring at 35, I don't think is going to do it for us. I don't think that's going to do it for me. I think I'm going to be, no. you know, I mean, I need something. So yeah, just always being curious and always, you know, picking and choosing on what I want to sort of ingest myself in and what I want to, what I want to learn about um, it's been it's been fun and I see it as as just sort of a hobby of always trying to evolve and get better mm. all right do you want to go sit down over here come on <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to steal the show yeah of course she's doing a good job uh, she's doing a good job man it's easy it's easy for her. <laughs> that's right the other the thing the thing that I think about too is like all those other experiences are going to positively impact your game yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not the reason that you're doing them and, you, but they are going to stimulate these other learning things. And we can take models from all these other places, from business, from whatever, and, and you can apply them and they just kind of yeah. soak into you. You know, I think the more well-rounded human being you are, the better you know, high performing athlete you're going to be. And it just adds to that mix. Yeah. I think, I think if you go around and think about hockey all the time, all day, every day, and you are watching hockey all day, every day, it can be good for you for, for a short period of time. But I do think at some point you are going to lose. Like now, if I go and, you know, if I'm reading an article or, or a study about, you know, the human brain or, or if I'm reading a book about whatever, watching a documentary, whatever it might be. If I, if I then turn on and switch on the hockey, I'm going to be excited about it. If I then go on and study my shifts, I'm going to be excited about it. When coming to practice the next day, I'm excited about it. If 
but if that's all you think about, I think it just numbs you after a while, in my opinion. But definitely, yeah, that's a huge point. That's a huge point. And there's um, a great book by uh, David Epstein of Range, where he talks about tremendous, right? yeah, where he talks about the differences between. Ultimately, he was going to call it Federer versus Tiger Woods. Like, Tiger, but, yeah. yeah, that was that was the original supposed to be title, but talks about this concept of having range of where by Federer's style of where you do multiple sports and you you engage mm-hmm. in multiple activities that it actually develops you to become a much better well-rounded athlete and a lot stronger right because the influence of the different ideas I think that's a big part that sometimes as high performing athletes we, we we don't lose sight and don't realize that I could be reading a good book on leadership I could be doing some golf, I could be doing something else. And somehow, because of how our brains are operating in that realm, it's going to come back and go, that's going to make me better at this. But because of that experience of that environment of a new idea, a different experience, a different feel, when I come back to bring back to your point of that's what happens, right? Is that you miss it, you realize, oh, wait, I could try this out. And there's been tons of studies, right, and research to show that by just being in a more creative mode, meditating, all that stuff, relaxing, it opens up this other dimension of thought. So you get these other ideas that can actually enhance and improve whatever you're passionate about. But if you're just always in that same category and there's no new ideas, like a great example is how often coaches push on them all the time of, are you going outside of just looking at hockey drills and just focusing on hockey, hockey, hockey? Do you look at soccer and what the drills are? Do you listen to basketball coaches and different ideas? Do you get out and see what other sports are doing and bring that back and say, oh, we can utilize that in some way in hockey? And I think that's one of the things that for players that we don't do nearly enough uh, and influencing and telling players to go do that. Like, don't just stay in this one realm. Get out there, man, and get these ideas because you don't know what kind of new idea is going to pop up, you know, from those experiences. Yeah. And when you're talking about like, like that's huge to, to, to actually, when, when you talk about the golf course, for example, like I can find myself actually because like a golf swing, like you're controlling your body and it's such a, it's a fluid motion, but it's from a standstill and it's mm-hmm. to a standstill. But in, in, in between, there's a lot of motion that, that needs to happen and it needs to be perfected. And so you're constantly, the way you shift your hips at millimeters is going to change the outcome of the swing. And that's something like you lean, for example, you learn body control. Like, so you, you learn where like hand eye, where your hands need to come down inside of your whatever. So it's, um, I think the other part of it is when you when you hear about all these kids playing one sport, like Tiger obviously just played golf. Like mm-hmm. that's all he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I've always been a big – I've always been big on playing as, you know, a, a lot of different sports growing up. And, and it, you know, I played soccer. I played a, a sport called floorball back home in, in Sweden that's pretty big in Scandinavia, which is basically you, you play – it's a wiffle ball. You play with plastic six, but it's organized back home. It's a big sport back in Scandinavia. And and I played that and and started playing golf. And, and I think it all just sort of shaped me into this athlete that I am today. If I didn't play soccer, I wouldn't know how to, you know, like you catch a pass on your skate. Like you, you learn all those things, you know what I mean? So I think it's when you get as a kid or, or as a parent, when you start 
zoning in on this one thing too soon, I think it, it can come, it can be too much. And, and I just think it's, it's important for not only for the athletic, from the athletic standpoint of, of, of rounding yourself as an athlete, but also as a social setting growing up, like you need, you need to learn how to be in different social environments and not just one, you know what I mean? For sure. I think too, the other, the other piece that I think is interesting is it provides you some flexibility. Like mm. if you think of like bamboo, bamboo is incredibly hard, but also flexible. If you are only focused on one sport and only focused on one thing for your entire life, it's super brittle and it's going to snap. Like if you look at, if you look at tiger, like for example, we all know what happened with tiger. And I think that is a product of having yeah. nothing else in your life, but this mm. one thing. And if that thing starts to, to go away that you hoped that it wouldn't, or you're either going to get injured or something that you can just snap hard. So if, if you're, say, you're a hockey player and you're only focused on hockey and only defined by hockey, all of a sudden, if you have a three-game stretch where you don't score, life is going to feel pretty horrible during that. You have mm. nothing else to put your sense of self into. So if you can have these broad range of things that prop you up of being a good leader, being a good dad, being a good husband, you have all these legs of the table to keep it stable, where if the hockey leg for two weeks gets knocked out, you're not all of a sudden in a complete depression and then trying to dig your way out of a hole with a shovel and just diving down deeper. Um, and I think that's a huge piece that, that you bring up about not defining yourself as a hockey player. That's part of you. Um, and as a person that knows you, I know that's only one part of you. We've had lots of conversations about other things. So I think it's a huge thing for everybody else to remember as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gabe, talk about um, on the other side, right? Like one of the things that misconception that's out there, right, is the mental performance part, right, of how a lot of younger players, they struggle to realize how important that piece is to all of this, right? Of like how you're going in and how you're approaching it. And talk about that part of how much time you spend, like obviously you're reading, you're doing all this stuff, but how much that intentional time where it's like, okay, I'm working on that part of my game. Cause a big misconception right with younger players is, Oh, the mental part is there's something wrong with you. Right. Whereas any high level performer knows, right. Is the work PJ's doing everything. Um, we do mental performance work. It's, Getting players to realize it's a, it's the same investment of time as you do physically. You're in the gym. You work on your skills. You've also got to work on your thinking as well and really zone in on and craft those thoughts and really pay attention and zone in on them. Talk about that part of how much you work on that part of your game and the importance of it. Of like, so players, you know, athletes listening to that part of it. Give me give me one second here. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Sorry about that. This is a sort of no, no. Don't we talk apologize. About, we talk about being fluid. This is yes. what, that's, that's what right. Exactly. Is. You got adapt. adaptability. <laughs> adaptability. Yeah. At its finest. Um, that's a good question. Um, I would say it sort of started um, at a pretty young age. My dad used to play hockey at a professional level in Sweden, not at the NHL, but in Sweden at a pretty high level. And, um, you know, in a very gentle and, and, and in a very fun way, he would get me into sort of having that routine 
going to like we'd go to a game or we'd go even if it was just a 10 minute drive or 20 minute drive you know he, he we'd we'd have two songs we'd listen to before and we it'd be like you know the last 10 minutes we'd turn on these songs and it wasn't there were anything crazy it was just two songs childish songs that i liked at the time but at least it got me into okay well some sort of routine because that the life is so crazy and hectic and chaotic in a way that you need if you have the, that's why we have routines right to at mm-hmm. least know that this is what's going to happen now then this, this is going to happen and then we go into the unknown but at least you have those moments where you kind of zone in and this is what i'm doing so i don't know if my dad did it uh knowingly or unknowingly but we had these two songs that we'd listen to before every game for for a stretch of years where where it would just allow me um to sort of and we'd sit there and listen to it and, and kind of dig along but that was my time to sort of at least get you know get into somewhat of a feeling and think about the game because eventually it just those two songs just trigger that right it just mm-hmm. trigger okay well it's it's going to be game time here in a little bit i need to get ready so from an early age i, I found that uh, and my routine has changed quite a bit uh, i don't i don't no longer listen to those songs anymore <laughs> i wish i remembered what they were but <laughs> um but it's allowed me to find that that routine and at least whether whatever the trigger is uh whether it's a two-minute uh, drill before my dynamic warm-up starts where i just kind of go around my thoughts and and, and just kind of zone in or if it's uh getting changed lacing up my skates whatever it might be or nowadays it's it's still the same thing it's driving to the rink uh whether it's for practice or for games that's my time to sort of get my thoughts in order what do i want to do what do i want to accomplish but the most important thing is just get in this feeling. It's almost hard to explain where you get in this feeling where you're, 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 um, you're almost nervous, but you're not really like hyped up nervous. You're, you got those butterflies in your stomach and you, you know, um, what you want to do and you know, it's, it's game time and you know, it's, it's time to sort of get into your professional mode because I had a friend of mine that I played junior with that, that already at a pretty early age knew he was, I remember him saying once we were done our junior career that to me that I had the ability to, to be this goofy, funny, uh, not serious guy when we were, you know, away from the rink. But once we got to the rink, I was already at a pretty young age, professional and zoned in and locked into the meetings and locked into practice. Uh, So, and I think that's helped me. I think that's, that's why I was like that because I knew Okay, well, now I'm at the rink. Now this is what we do. Um, and and that is is all kind of stems from that feeling that was born inside of me when driving to those games with my dad. And, and it's the same feeling I get now playing in, you know, Stanley Cup playoff games and, and in front of 20,000 people is that just getting into that feeling, quiet down, uh, just me, my thoughts. That's why I don't like driving to the rink with anybody else in my car for the most part. It happens once in a while when I guess some whatever in town, but but for the most part, I like driving by myself, and that's that's my time to to do my stuff. So um, a routine is very important. Some guys can take it to the extreme uh, when it comes to being superstitious, but for me, I like to just if I know that I've had my alone time, I've had my time and myself and my thoughts, then you know I will be ready to perform and my mental state will be open and uh you know kind of 
just fluid like we talked about it's ready to adapt to, to situations that are kind of come but i know that i've at least zeroed in i've neutralized sort of stress and whatever else has gone on at home uh, i'm ready to go yeah that's awesome that's awesome i miss i miss that feeling you make me want to stay to come back <laughs> don't do that yeah. <laughs> all right fine you're good at what you do buddy I'm, I'm better at this than i was at that uh, that's awesome that's awesome yeah it's uh it's interesting that feeling is um you know it's it's fascinating when you talk about that part of it right of where I know and talk to PJ about it too, of where we miss that part of it of where finding our next, you know, chapter, you know, cause as, as competitive athletes, like from the playing days to then, okay, hey, we're getting into coaching and we found our thing and all that stuff. It's so tough. You watch for so many other players, um, to experience that and to come out of that. And I think that's the part where is fascinating about the whole evolution of an athlete is, it's tough to to replicate that competitive feeling inside of every day, you know, because you have to almost convince yourself and see and figure out how to find the competitiveness because so much of it's just natural, right? You show up, you play an opponent, you against you, you against them. And it just, it's so easy growing up. And as a kid, that was what it was all mm-hmm. about. Then you get into the quote unquote real world and it's like, well, now you have to look at it as, all right, how can you adapt it and see it for yourself and see it of, well, what can I find that still gives me that energetic vibe and that feeling? Cause that's something that for athletes, all of us, right? That you have to live with that the rest of your life. You're born with it. I think that's the part where when you talk about born and I think that's something that is in all of us that just is natural, right? Because when we were younger, what led us into it? It's because of our energy and the way we were and people are like, okay, that's okay. Yeah. You're, you're in this realm. You're going to be an athlete. Like this is the way it goes. And we just naturally gravitated towards it. So I think it's interesting of how you utilize the skills of what you're learning as an athlete to then start to understand that next chapter and figuring it out of how am I going to replicate that feeling? Right. Cause when you, as soon as you're talking about that, PJ's feeling it, I'm feeling it. I'm like, Ah, man, I'm missing that. <laughs> yeah. Because there's nothing yeah. like it. And I, think, and I think you can use sort of whatever your trigger might be, whether it's a 10-minute um, meditation in the morning or um, it's just your time to uh, – for me, it's like sort of my morning coffee in the morning. Like that's another trigger for me where I just sort of – I'm up before my wife and now I'm up with my baby obviously, but um, – but before that, it was just, you know, me and then I'd have my cup of coffee and then I'd take my dog for a walk. And that was also another trigger for me to whether it was game day or off season or whatever, you know, I'm starting my day and that's it. I'm neutralizing everything else and that's it. You know what I mean? And then we all have life is so crazy. We all have things to deal with, right? Like it can get hectic as, as you know, um, but at least to have that, I think it's super important, whatever your triggers are and whatever your 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 habits are in terms of taking care of your mental health it's it can be overlooked way too fast and way too easily too many people think it's a hoax and too many people don't believe in it and and that's fine but the people that that practice some sort of of uh whether it's meditation or um i call them triggers what that that puts me in that state um i think that you're better off because of it because you can at any point in the day 
find those triggers and sort of neutralize a stressful day, in my opinion. And that's what I, I like to do. Oh, yeah. And that self-awareness piece is so huge of what you're talking about, yeah. right? Like the work you do with PJ, that's exactly what's happening, right? Is you're becoming more aware of things and being able to become aware of that and go, okay, hey, yeah, I can, I can do this on the ice. I can change this up. It opens up a whole nother dimension. And I think that's the part where a lot of people say you can't teach self-awareness and people try to claim it and all that stuff. And it's like, it's just BS. It's so not true. Like there's so many good people out there that no, you can teach self-awareness. Like, Self-awareness is nothing yep. more than another word of saying of like, learn about yourself, become best friends with yourself. Like, do you know yourself? Yep. Like you've got friends out there. You've got people you love, trust. It, it's the same bond with yourself. Do you, do you love and trust yourself? Do you know you? Like, do you, like you said, triggers, that's your unique imprint. What you're coming across, that's your unique thing. But that's self-awareness part of, but what is that as an athlete? Like, what is that for me? What does that equate to? Cause all three of us, have different triggers. Like it's not the same exact scenario, situation, didn't come from the same environments, all this stuff. So it's fascinating to hear that part of um, how you utilize that in the trigger form and everybody kind of has theirs, but it's it's cool to see and hear, right? Of the importance of what that you found with it, of what it can do, you know, for you in your life. Cause every, every evolving athlete needs it in some way, you know, cause as you get older with it and all that stuff, there's just so much more you can do from the game if you do become self-aware of yourself and and the different opportunities and different ways of thinking and all that type of stuff yeah absolutely uh, i got one last question for yeah. you lanny you talked about going into the game and trying to play open and trying to play free and trying to be adaptable mm -hmm. which obviously you know i think is very 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 important um, and trying to perceive and see the game for what's happening and not be locked into too many things. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that idea and also how you're trying to create that within, within the structure? Like there is so much structure, but also being free to make your own decisions, to adapt, to play. And I think, you know, obviously watching you play a lot, that's when you're at your best and how you kind of balance that and how you, how you think about that. Yeah, so I think another uh, so so obviously I want to go into the game like you said, like feeling free and 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 loose and not too locked up in my my thoughts and my feelings of what I want to do because hockey is such a fluid sport. It's not like mm -hmm. it's not like baseball where you know you're going to be standing at the plate, the ball's going to come to you one way or another. It's coming to you, or you're a quarterback in football where you know well I'm going to have the ball in my hand this many times during this game. Hockey, I mean, technically, you could, could go the entire game without really touching the puck, you know, because mm -hmm. it's 12 guys out there, you know what I mean, like including goalies. So there's um, there's just so many moving parts. So for me, I, I just try to go in there with an open mind. You have your sort of do some visualization where, uh, you know, if I get the puck in this scenario, like sort of you, you, you think about – Diff making different reads and it's it, it's hard to explain but um you want to go in there with some sort of abcs of you know like that can apply in every situation a sort of you know moving your feet um uh, you know head up you know moving making reads in terms of defensemen aware that the next closest option of your teammates are like these are all things that you're learning growing up right um trying to find your teammates using your teammates but also 
like it's, it, I'm almost finding a hard time putting it into words, but, but I think playing free and playing, playing loose is, is almost the best way of putting it because um, when you go into that game, um, you don't know what that other defenseman is going to do when you come down on him on the wing, but you can take control of that. And I think that's what you, you have helped me with PJ is that, that I can take control of these situations and instead of letting the defenseman make that first move, I force him by doing this, by driving that inside shoulder, I force him to go pivot this way. I can cut back. And that is sort of, so I, I, I like to think of it as playing free, but you also have sort of these ABCs that you want to go through yeah. and that you want to approach the game with. Um, and it's something that I'm still working on. Like I, like, you know, we watch our, our, our segments in our video and it's like, well, this game, now you're back to 2014 game. Now this is, now you're just coming down the wing and you're just firing off the, the, the far. Pass, you know what I mean? We don't like that. Meanwhile, <laughs> no, we don't like that because no, no. there's just so much more to it. There's just so much more we can do. And, but then we see these clips where, okay, and you'll ask me here, what were you thinking in this situation? I was just like, I, I don't think I was thinking much. This shift, I was just kind of going out there. I was hunting the puck. I grabbed it off this guy. I went, mm-hmm. I, I slid it over to my teammate over here. And then I was open. And it's just sort of this feeling where you're just, you're honestly just like your instincts kick in. Yeah. That's where you get to. And, and, uh, and I had a funny little thing a few years ago, me and a teammate of mine, we would, we would try to get each other's like stress response up before a game by like hiding his sticks or like hiding his gloves. So, so when it came to him actually getting red, like he actually got like fired up because (laughs) as athletes, you don't have a certain level of that stress response. You almost want to trigger that like fight or flight mode, Mm. um, you know, where you, well, you just go out there and, and you're almost possessed because if you don't, if you just go out there too relaxed, it's it's not going to do it. So you can see as I'm talking about this, I'm moving around. But yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 about the feeling and uh, and once you get in that zone and playing free and just making reads, it's a it, it's a good feeling and and uh, and it, it it'll look good on video for PJ when he watches it after. <laughs> but um, the challenging part is obviously i think like you know you you watch for example tom versus time that was out on youtube a few years ago remember when tom brady was followed around by his camera yep. crew and and how much he actually works on his game but you watch this and you're like oh man like you want to do that but as a hockey player you can't really do exactly that like he takes as many snaps a day and he's firing off all these passes to th- these different routes but mm. our game is so much fluid than that right like we know that oh. it's not going to happen every face off we can practice a face off play 10,000 times we know that it's going to be different exactly every time because mm-hmm. inside wingers push a different route uh, the D-man's going to bobble the putt you know there's just so many different possibilities so um, and that, that is why it's so important to stay free because you have to adapt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. <clears throat> structure creates freedom too. If you have, if you have an idea of what you want to do, a little bit of a structure of what you're doing, then you can narrow that freedom into certain things, right? Yeah. Rather than going, well, 
I'm just going to do whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go out there and do whatever. You have a structure, you have an idea, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have an idea of how you want to play based on your assets and based on the type of player that you are. You have a specific thing that you know that if, you know, you use your strength, you use your skating, you're going to create some success. And then on top of that, you can build some of that freedom inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's kind of my goal of trying to help you guys figure those things out. And just like coaches have uh, systems for us to play. Yeah. Um, you know, this is and just like coaches have systems for for the team to pull in the same direction. I need sort of my own systems. Yes. And right. just like 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 using my skating, using my strength, taking the puck to the net, um, keeping the defenseman on my back in the corners, uh, things like that, like screening the goalie when when the puck's at the point. In certain areas, in certain cases, right, PJ? You don't want me standing there. With the <laughs> well, we learned we but, learned that from our good friend Anders Lee the other last week. That's awesome. That's right. Yeah, but these are things that, like, you inside. The, that's why the team has systems. But you also, I look at it all almost as like my individual systems. I, I love think that. that's uh, simple. Yeah, yeah. Having those those high percentage plays rules. Uh, that's mm-hmm. again the irony of freedom. You need to have mm-hmm. some type of non negotiable. Hey, this is what I stand for as a human being. This is what I believe in. This is what I stand for. And it doesn't need to be much, but you need something because it, it yeah. brings peace of mind. It brings security. It brings targeted focus, direction. And um, that's, that's high performance. You have to have that or else amidst the chaos, you can lose it quick. <laughs> you can lose it quick. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, I know this was an amazing interview. Loved every second of it. So many golden nuggets. Yeah, boys, great stuff. Gabe, thanks for taking the time, obviously, to be with us. This was uh, enlightening, and uh, I'm sure any anyone listening to it took away, I'm sure, plenty of golden nuggets. And obviously, with the little one, it made it even more special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you guys letting me have a little Linnea buzzing around here. Yeah, uh, she's smiling over there. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun, guys. Thanks for thanks for doing this. It was a lot of, you know. Things that are even that I haven't gotten asked in a while, and things that you don't haven't reflected on in a long time. So that was fun. It wasn't your standard interview, which I appreciate. Awesome, Good. awesome. Well, thanks again, man. Stay safe. Yeah. Enjoy the time with the fam. Hey, so hope you guys enjoyed that little outro at the end. <laughs> that was part of our uh, little outro music on the uh, on the other pod there, but. Uh, but yeah, I would love to, as always, know what you guys thought and feedback on that. I mean, I know at the time it was awesome. I mean, we had a we had cut that back in what? That was like uh, March or April. So it was it was um, quite some time, almost a year. You know, we're coming on now. It was right around when the uh, pandemic had just hit. But nonetheless, uh, just classic information and uh, stands the test of time of just everything you talked about. And yeah, just amazing human being and a lot of fun to be able to, uh, you know, have those discussions and be able to do that alongside with uh, Coach PJ Atherton. He's a great guy and uh, highly recommend him as well. If anyone's out there looking for Coach Savai, he's just a, a beauty of an individual and a great coach for a lot of different players that are out there and performers. So, um, but yeah, as always, guys, again, what did you take away? Was there anything that was helpful for you as a coach or as a student of the game? You know, would love to hear how this unique perspective, you know, gained from, you know, captain in the NHL may have inspired you, you know, to be a better coach for the game or player for that matter. And let us know your thoughts in the comments. And as always, please remember to hit the subscribe button if you'd love to stay up to date with our new episodes. 
If you enjoy this content, please make sure to join our private Facebook group called Roger Nielsen's Coaches Connection. Stay up to date with all of your hockey coaching development needs. Our coaching group includes NHL, pro, college, junior, and youth coaches from all over the world. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Hope to see you in our online coach community. Stay safe, everybody.